We're going to jump back into 1 Timothy chapter 5. If you've been with me for a while, you know that this is my habit of preaching through books, and you know that I do it for a lot of different reasons, and one of the reasons I do it is because if it were not for that, there probably would be passages in Scripture that I would avoid like the plague. Uh, and let me just say this, this particular part of First Timothy 3 that we're studying through right now, and we've been talking about widows now for two weeks, and you have to say, well, what more is there to be said at this point? But the fact of the matter is there is more to be said at this point. And, and we know that what we're reading here is not just Paul's opinion about a particular thing that was going on in the church in Ephesus, but we know that this is holy writ. This is God's word to, written to us. I saw something, and I've shared this with you before, I think, maybe not. Uh, something just about a year ago that really just surprised me. Uh, and, and, and I haven't been able to forget too much about it over the last year because it paints such a bleak picture of, uh, of our culture and the direction that we seem to be headed in at this point. And it was this, that there was a survey that was done recently amongst young people. Uh, and the question asked was this, is if you were walking down the road and you saw your dog drowning, your pet dog drowning in a pond, and at the same time you saw a human being, a person in that same pond also drowning, which one of them would you try to rescue first? The majority of them said, my dog. <laughs> These, my friends, are of the people that you and I are going to be dependent upon as, as our years get longer and older and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if that doesn't kind of put a little bit of scare in you, I don't know what is going to do that. It's easy to blame these kinds of things on lots of other people. I mean, it really is. But the truth of the matter is that we're all guilty of not sharing Jesus in what we say and in what we do, the manner we conduct our lives uh, in the world around us. So things like this really ought to encourage us to do a lot of things. And one of those is this, is to engage. Every, every Sunday when you leave here, and the same thing should be true for me, is we should have been challenged to engage. In other words, there's, there's a difference between just teaching and, and preaching. And preaching always calls us to respond. To respond in some way to the things that we have learned and we've taken to heart in whatever has been said during that particular hour. We've already opened the gate here a little bit over the last couple of weeks in regard to this particular topic. And there's some things I just want to bring to light before we even read. And that is this, as we considered this last week, and that is the average lifespan of people is getting longer and longer. You may not realize this, but in 1662, 400, almost 500, 450 years ago, did you know in London, most people died 
75% of people died before they were the age of 26. And as we were saying last week, the average lifespan for women in the United States now is almost 81 years, and men is 70, 75 to 76 years. Lifespans are getting longer. My whole point here, guys, is this. We're talking about, about New Testament, early New Testament church 2,000 years ago. What do you think the lifespan, average lifespan was in that culture? It certainly was not 80 for women and, and 75 for men. Think about this. Rather than having the mindset that what Paul's talking about here really doesn't have much to do with us, what about this mindset? Maybe it has more to do with us than it did more application for you and I than it had for the church in Ephesus in Paul's day. For the simple reason that people are living longer and longer and longer. And everyone in this room, some of you have already done this. You've taken care of elderly mother and father. Some of us are in the process of doing that. And if we live long enough, most of us will eventually become that mom or pop that needs to be taken care of. Some of you are doing that right now. And let me tell you, it's a beautiful thing to see. This is an area where the church should stand out like a sore thumb in this culture, this pervasive culture that has come, you know, is turning in these directions like just demonstrated by that little illustration at the very beginning. You and I know this. There are big changes that have taken place in our land in our lifetime. And we understand why. Most people out there don't understand. They don't even want to acknowledge that it's taking place. And, and even if they acknowledge it, they don't understand why. But you and I do. And the reason is this. There has really been a great turning away from God in these last generations. And this is the consequence of that. Sin becomes more and more pervasive. So as we were reading last week in chapter 3, Paul's been talking about widows, but remember he's not talking about merely women who have had a husband pass away. He is talking about widows that he calls widows indeed. In In other words, they truly are widows who have no one to care for them, have no one to take care of them, have no one to provide for them. Now, what does it mean to be a widow who's a widow indeed? Well, he's told us that, okay? They don't have anyone to take care of them. They don't have any children. They don't have any grandchildren. They don't have any descendants, no nieces, nephews, no one. There's no one left that they're related to who has the ability of taking care of them. I 
shared with you last week how surprised my parents are that Lori and I are showing as much interest in their well-being as we are. And it's something they constantly bring to our attention. And you know one of the reasons for it is this, is they can tell you example after example of their friends who have children who have not stepped forward at all to take care of them in their late years. So a widow indeed is one who doesn't have a family. Well, and I would say this too. It wouldn't be too much for us to read into this. And, and, and that would apply also if they do have family, but their family refuses to take care of them. They might as well not have family. The church has special responsibility. Family first, church secondary. But no one to take care of them. Also, he describes women who really, they have a heart for God. They have a heart for God's people. I'm going to go into more detail of that in just a few minutes. In other words, there's a sense of saintliness about them. And he also, as we were closing last week, now, widows, indeed, who, who do not go after wanton pleasure. In other words, they don't openly sin. They're not rushing after sin. Uh, I didn't mention this last week, but, but there are people who have this mindset, and you'll run into them every now and then if you have a conversation about marriage, and they look upon marriage as this is a prison. And you'll see this, this mindset kind of pervasive today in a lot of the mentality of some of the feminist movement. And that is that, that, that women have been imprisoned by a lot of things. And one of those is marriage. And, you know, they should be able to live out their free spirit and do whatever they want to do. And this, that, and the other and all that other kind of stuff. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Is it hard to believe for a minute that maybe sometimes they've been married, their husband passes away, and they see it almost as a release for them now to do what they want to do? Have you ever met a woman like that? In verse 8, he had said this, and this is where we ended, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. In other words, those kinds of things may go on out there, but they can't take place inside the family of God. That being the people, being of the household of God, means a lot of things. And one of those is this, is that as you take care of your own. Verse 9, let a widow be put on the list only if she is not less than 60 years old, having been the wife of one man, having a reputation for good works. And if uh, she has brought up children, uh, if she has shown hospitality to strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has assisted those in distress, and if she devoted herself to every good work, but refused to put younger widows on the list for when they feel sensual desires in disregard of Christ, they may want to get married, thus incurring condemnation because they have set aside their previous pledge. We'll get back to that in just a few moments. Can you imagine there's a list that exists 
And we've said this already the last couple of weeks, and that is if you go to Acts chapter 6, where the office of deacon is created, the purpose of it, one of the primary functions of it, is look after the widows who are widows indeed. In other words, for the church to step up when the family is not there or chooses not to do anything. But notice here, Paul's not saying that every widow is supposed to be on that list. Very often we have the idea uh, that we're supposed to give anything and everything to anybody and everybody. When I first uh, became a pastor, you know, I was a deacon uh, for, for several years, and one of my biggest responsibilities was to look over the, uh, the mercy ministry in the church that we were in, uh, and we did that. We did a lot of little building projects and, and things like that, and very often they were for widowed women. Uh, very early in the life of Springs Church, there was a particular widow that we did all kinds of things for for many, many years. It went on for years. And helped her, in a sense, to raise her granddaughter. There are a lot of people who believe the church should be doing everything for everybody. And what I want to say to you this morning is that's not what Paul says here. He says the, the women that wind up being on this list, there need to be certain things true about them. And he's already mentioned some of those, but he adds some more to that list uh, this morning as we're considering. She can't be less than 60 years old. Now, that's just to surprise you. <laughs> As we said before, there probably was not a very large percentage of people in, in those years that actually lived to be 60 years old. So you need to understand that this would be a very restrictive kind of thing that's put on this list. So how are we supposed to interpret that and apply it? Well, what I would say to you is this, is if you read this and you read on through some of the other verses, you're going you're gonna to get the idea that we're talking about women that have undergone the change of life which takes place about that time. And the idea here is then, is once, once you get to that point in life, you're, old, you're, you're older. We would, even today, we'd say that someone that's 60 is on the older side at least, right? At least give me a little credit because I'm almost 65. Okay. Go to a place like Uganda, guys, and you don't find too many people living to be 60 years old today. There are exceptions. So in other words, we're talking about here, what Paul is saying here in essence is this, is women only who cannot care for themselves, who cannot take care of themselves, should be on this list. In other words, they still have the ability to do most of the things in life they need to be able to do to take care of themselves. That doesn't mean the church can't help and et cetera, et cetera. But what we're talking about here, guys, basically is this is a group of women whose sole support comes from the church. The church 
buys their food. The church pays for what it has to in order for them to have a roof over their head. That, and that's what we're talking about. We're talking about them coming under the care of the church 100% financially in every other way. Sixty years old. The husband of one wife. Now we've heard that phrase before. When we were talking about church offices all the way back in chapter 3. That it was a a man uh, of only one wife. Uh, and we understand this. It doesn't mean this. It doesn't mean that a woman that is, it, it has been married more than one time necessarily would be excluded from this list. Okay? doesn't have anything to do with divorce is what I want you to understand. You know, what if a woman has been married before her husband's passed away? Is it legitimate for her to remarry? And it is. Okay? Uh, as a matter of fact, Paul encourages women. If we read on down, he, in this very passage, he encourages women who are younger, if their husband dies, that they would remarry. So we know he doesn't have to do anything uh, with something like divorce. It has to do with a woman being faithful to her husband in life. In other words, not one that was an adulteress, not one who was a polygamist, not one who was this, that, and the other. Having a reputation for good works. In other words, she's noted as being someone in the congregation who is about the book of James. I will show you my faith by my works. In other words, she's noted in the congregation of being someone who's always helpful to other people, who is always an encouragement to other people, who presents herself in a loving and caring manner to the folks around her. And if she's brought up children. Now, let me just say something to that because I understand that there's some people in here that don't have any children. Does this exclude you from something like this? I would say not. But what I would say is this, is, is there's, there's, there are ways for you to be a part of the raising of children even if they're not your own. We have four kids, and every one of them grew up in the church, and there are people in this, this room that had a very great influence on all four of them at one time or another. They helped Lori and I, if you will, to raise our children. Uh, Walter and Deborah Redmond, for instance. They're more like aunt and uncle to Matthew, Lindsay, Stephen, and Caroline than they are just friends of the family. You all have that opportunity. We have young people here. I'm hoping you're engaging with them. 
Let me just say this. They need you. But you know what? You need them too. That's how it works. That's how it works best. Shown hospitality to strangers. Now, today we always say that you have to be very cautious when it comes to strangers, right? Who here has been hitchhiking lately? Who here has actually picked up a hitchhiker lately? If we asked that question 50 years ago, there would be lots of hands going up in the room. Now, let me tell you, I would be highly upset if I found out that Lori picked up anybody. But there have been times when I do. I mean, really. There are times when you have a sense, God really wants me to do this, and I just can't say, no, I'm not going to do it because something bad might happen to me, or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And let me tell you, it's kind of blown up in my face a couple of times. Uh, I was in, it was still in seminary one morning. I, I would go into class real early, and so I was driving down the road from the place I was staying to school, and there was, uh, I noticed a young girl walking down the sidewalk, and it was just, I mean, the sun was just coming up and uh, all of that, and for some reason, I just felt like, you know, here's a young lady, maybe you need to check on her, make sure she's okay, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. She was just really out of place where she was at the time that she was there. And so I turned my car around, and I pulled up beside her, and, I, and, I, and, and we had electric windows. So I rolled down the window, uh, and, and I asked her if she needed a ride, and she just jumped in the car. And it was only then that I realized she had a negligee on. And, and she asked me, I asked her, I said, is there some place that you need to be or some place you want me to take you? And she said, uh, are you looking for a date? And I said, not today. No, I, said, I said, no. I said, no. I'm not, but I will take you anywhere you want to go. I'll buy you. If you want breakfast, I'll buy you breakfast, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And as soon as I said that to her, she got out of the car. You know, as I was driving down the road, I'm, you, 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 one of the things that caused me to turn around is this, is I've got two daughters. What if they were somewhere stranded in the middle of nowhere and they desperately needed help, but people, everyone was terrified to help them, and so no one did. I had the same experience happen to me here in Dunellen one time. Then I was afraid that people were going to see me driving down the road with this person in my car. <laughs> there have been other times when I picked up people, and they were good people that needed some help. Uh, I mean, it's, and I'm not encouraging. Let me tell you, I don't think none of these ladies here need to be picking up strangers. But there's sometimes, especially when you feel the special prodding of the Holy Spirit, that you need to do. We do. How did I ever get off on that? 
to show hospitality to strangers. In other words, does this this woman welcome strangers into her own home? Has she washed the saints' feet? Now, there's a way we can take that literally. One of the things in Uganda that, that gets your attention right away is this, is most of the people don't have any shoes. That's because they're in such poverty, they can't afford it. It's not because they don't want shoes. Let me tell you something. You want to put a smile on a Ugandan face? Go out and buy them a pair of shoes. You would think it was a great treasure to them. But in those days, they wore sandals for the most part, and they walked down dusty, dirty roads all the time, and so foot washing was a necessity. People had to do it. And very often other people did it for other people. And what we're talking about here is a woman who has literally actually washed the feet of the saints. In other words, what Paul is getting to here is this, is she sees nothing as being beneath her to do it. She's willing to do even the most menial things to bless that particular person. She's assisted those in distress. In other words, she doesn't look at herself as being in distress and think that everybody's attention should be upon her and upon her distress. But she sees the distress of other people and she does something about it. She's devoted herself to every good work. Remember Olive I was describing in Uganda? This, 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 this older woman who was widowed and, 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 and had nothing at all, but what, ha- what she did have, she was willing to share very openly with other people. She became a great encouragement, not only to the pastor of the church, but to all the people in the church. She was like the mother of everybody in the whole congregation. That's how they looked upon Olive. So you kind of get the picture? What I would say ultimately comes down to this. A woman who loves the Lord and serves him. A woman who knows, who loves, and serves the Lord. but refuse to put younger women on the list for when they feel sensual desires in disregard of Christ, they want to get married, thus incurring condemnation because they have set aside their previous pledge. There's a sense in what, what underlies all of this is there was some expectation of these widows, and the widows were supposed to contribute to the ministry of the church, do, do whatever they could do in, in ministry in the church, not to sit at home, 
you know, if they were able to go out and to help and do and in uh, and, and all of that. It's almost as if, now I'm not even going to say that because I don't want to lead anybody astray, uh, but a special position created in the church congregation for these particular ladies. But they were women who were engaged. Women who were doing. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 makes a great argument. In, in, in that chapter, he talks about how some are called to be married and some are not. He, he, he himself was not married, and he sees that as, uh, as a good thing in relationship to his involvement in the ministry because he understands this. He, he knows that if he had a wife and if he had children, that his heart would be divided and he would not be able to devote himself wholly to the ministry of the Lord. He's making a similar, similar argument here in regard to younger widows. That is this. Is the younger women, their heart will tend to be more divided. In other words, they're not going to be able to dedicate themselves completely and totally to the service of the Lord. And that's a natural thing. Now, what we're talking about here as far as putting beside their pleasure, we're not talking about them turning away from Christ or denying Jesus or anything like that. What we're talking about here is this is making that commitment to the church to be that involved in the church and not following through with it. Because they get married and then they have a husband and they have children, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, what are we going to do? What are you going to do? What am I going to do? What is the church going to do? Are we just going to say, well, we studied through 1 Timothy chapter 3 and we got through it and we're not even finished with it yet. We still have another week probably talking about the circumstances of widowed women. Uh, but then we're going to move on from that. But let me just say this. Is, is if by the time we get through it and by the, you know, we move on to some other particular subject, if there hasn't been any change take place, why did we do it to start with? If things are just as they were before, why did we bother to pick up the Bible, to read it, to study it, to preach it, to hear it, if it makes no difference? in the manner in which we go about our business. So has it made a difference? Is it going to make a difference? What do you think? It's up to you. It's up to you.
Well, as we said before, we'll be moving on from here next week and wrapping this particular section of First Timothy up uh, and moving on from that.